Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. It's good to see you here this morning. I'd like to welcome you. I'd like to welcome all those who are listening on the radio and those who are watching on our website and also those of you who are watching on Facebook Live. I want to reiterate what Jim said about clicking the share button and we're going to call it Share, Love, Pray. It's your opportunity to share what you're seeing here this morning to your neighbors and your friends who may not even know that you go to church. You hit that share button and it goes out to them. Every pastor has to have a story of running a race. It's just the rules. I don't make them up, I just enforce them. So I have to tell my story of running a race. I ran a half marathon back in the early 90s when I was in seminary, and I just want to stay up front that that was not a good idea. Thousands of people showed up, and I was in the pack. You know, you're all packed in there when, you, when you're starting the race, and, and then the gun goes off, and I don't move at all because there's so many thousands of people. I finally make it to the starting line, and then I'm running good with the pack. I mean, I'm getting it going. I am moving, I'm feeling good for about one mile. And after one mile, I start to notice that I'm alone. There's nobody really around me. My legs are starting to hurt. I can barely breathe. I'm walking a little bit, and I'm realizing that this was not a good idea. And I'm thinking, you know, I just want to quit. I want to go back to my car and be done. But the problem is, I had no idea where I was. And quitting and going back to my car may have taken longer than actually finishing the race. So I kept going, but I was distraught and discouraged and felt like it was going to take forever. And I'm just wondering in your Christian life, if you're a believer, you've started to run this race. It's the imagery the Bible gives you. You're running the race. You're supposed to have your eyes on the prize, focusing on Christ. But some of you, you're hurting. If you're discouraged, you're hindered by a lot of things. And some of you just flat out stopped running. Others have taken massive detours. And some of you have even stopped and gone backwards. What happened? What hindered you from making progress and running this race toward Christ? What happened? What hindered you? I'm hoping this morning will be an encouragement to all of us to keep running. No matter how painful it may be, no matter how bad you may have messed up, but to keep running. And we're going to get that encouragement this morning in the book of Philippians. We're in Philippians chapter 3. Last week, we finished off about Paul saying, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship is sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. He wants to know Christ. And he continues on 
and said, I want to know Christ so much, I'm going to run toward him until I'm with him. And that's what he's saying here, starting in chapter 3 of Philippians in verse 12. Look at it. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ. Paul realizes that he's not perfect. So he is going to grab hold of Jesus Christ who has grabbed hold of him. Paul is all about pursuing Christ who is the goal and the point of life. And I'm wondering if you can resonate with that where you can say, Christ is the goal. I'm all about pursuing him. We don't just get saved and then we just kick back and just whatever happens, happens. You say, we are saved, once again, by grace alone, through faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone. For what he's done for us, we put our faith in him. We are forgiven through his death and his resurrection and his perfect life. And we're following him. And in God's eyes, we are perfect. Why? He sees the righteousness of Christ. And yet, in practice, we are still not perfect. So we grab a hold of Christ as he grabbed a hold of us, meaning that we pursue him. And that's what Paul is getting at in these verses. Once again, look at verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. What he's saying there is that he's going to continue to press on because he's still sinful and falls short in this sinful and fallen world. John Piper puts it like this. He says, we must go hard after Christ because we are deficient. If you think about it in those terms, a failing student must pursue a tutor. Nearsighted people must pursue an optometrist. People with strep throat should take antibiotics. Young apprentices should follow their master at his work. If you're not going hard after Christ, it either means that you believe that he does not have the power to change you, or he is not willing to change you, or the worst thing you can think is, I just want to stay unchanged. I just want to stay in my sin. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, it's kind of funny. People complain about wearing masks to church and yet people have been wearing masks to church for years. Now, if you're just here playing games, don't want to deal with your heart, don't want to deal with stuff, then just keep that, keep that mask front up for years more. It's not good. We are not perfect. And since we are not perfect, we press on toward the goal, to Christ, to pursue him. And that's where Paul is at. Look at verse 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's like, I'm not in heaven yet, and therefore I'm not perfect, but that's the goal he's pressing on in Christ. And yet, as we run toward Christ, we will realize that there are some hindrances in this race. And what I'm going to do here, 
I'm going to hit on three hindrances. I'm just going to go on and just bring it all to the front. These are hindrances as we try to run this race of what it means to follow Christ and things that can trip us up. And the first hindrance can be relying on past success. Relying on past success. When I started my half marathon, I ran an amazing first mile. But after that, I petered out and puttered along the way. And how silly of it would have been, you know, I'd just say, you know what? It doesn't matter. I cranked that first mile. And Paul's like, you know what? The Lord's done some good things in me. I've been growing, but I'm not perfect. I'm not in heaven. I've not seen Jesus face to face in heaven yet. So he says, I'll press on. And notice in verse 13, look what he says. He says, one thing I do. Oh, don't you like that? One thing I do. What's the one thing you do? (laughs) One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and pressing on to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize. So he's not relying on his past success. He's not getting complacent. He's not coasting, but he presses on and strains toward Christ. In the past, you may have been on fire for the Lord. What happened? In the past, you may have loved God's word. What happened? In the past, you may have been zealous to share Jesus with others. What happened? In the past, you may have been serving like crazy in the church and caring for the vulnerable. What happened? See, the idea is is we're not going to just coast off these past successes. No, no. We're going to forget what lies behind, and we're going to press on in this race toward Christ because we are not yet perfect. We're pressing on in this race to win the prize toward Christ. We keep running, not relying on past successes. Don't let that trip you up. Well, not only is that a hindrance of past successes, but this is one that you're very familiar with, we all are. We can be hindered by past failures. Past failures. You see, when I was plodding along in my race, I was stopping and starting along the way, and then I would get this rush of, momentum and I would get pumped and I'm ready to run again and I'd start running and I'd say what's the use I've already been walking the past two or three miles I've already blown it and so my past failure to run hindered me from moving forward and I'm thinking probably in your life as you look back there are some things that have happened in your life where you're thinking I'm stuck I can't make progress I would say the number one thing I talk about in counseling with people in this congregation is they come in and see me and they sit on my black couch and they tell me, I have blown it so bad in the past. I can't get past the past. And you roll off all these things that when you were younger that you failed to do or many bad things that you did and it's tripping you up. But what does Paul say? One thing I do, one thing, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. You you need to quit using your past as an excuse to moving forward. You need to quit saying, well, because of what I've done, I can't go that way. I mean, you're going to have, look, You're going to still have consequences from your past, right? You have some repercussions you have to deal with. You probably have to ask forgiveness. You may have to make amends. There may have a lot of stuff you have to do that's still lingering from your past. 
but quit using it as an excuse to follow Christ. One thing I do, one, forgetting what is behind, straying toward what is ahead. So here are the things that can hinder us. Past successes, past failures. And the last hindrance I want to tell you, talk to you about is people. People, way where people can really mess you up. Starting in verse 15. Let us therefore as many as are perfect have this attitude. If anything, you have a different attitude. God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Paul's like, well, if any of this seems fuzzy to you, then God will clear it up. He just wants them to press on. Verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Follow Paul. Follow all those who are pressing on in Jesus. But watch out for the wayward people. Verse 18. For many walk of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. I tell my kids to be careful that they pick their friends because their friends can lead them astray. I do a Bible study during the week with my son and two of his friends, 13-year-olds. And no matter how pumped they are about Jesus right then, rubber meets the road when they're at school and around people who are foolish and can lead them astray. But that only happens in junior high. Now, it happens when you even get older, too. You can look and see how other people are living. You're going, man, I want to do that. And if you're not careful, they hinder you from running the race. Uh, did you see what it said in verse 19? Did you see it? It says, their God is their appetite. Another translation says, their God is their belly. A father once asked his son what he learned in Sunday school, and he said, God is in our belly. He was studying this passage. And the idea is that people who are led astray are led by their appetites, which is their God, in their belly, in their gut, inside of them. That's their God. If they want something, they get it. Their desires come first. And if you ever have lived like this, or if you've seen somebody living like this, you think, you know, I want to do that. That just seems so free. They look at that person. They look so free. They want something, they just go and get it. They don't care who they hurt. I like that. And it can hinder you. And it can trip you up. If it's me time all the time. Me time all the time. That will trip you up and hinder you. When they're God, it's a belly. Look at verse 19. It says, their glory is in their shame. You ever meet people, they don't, they don't care. They're not ashamed. They'll boast in all the, it's the guy who boasts in all the women he's been with or the person boasting about all their money or power. And they just seem to be so natural and just so free. And just letting you know, when you see people like that, you're like, well, that, that, that's a road that starts on earth and leads straight to hell. Don't be deceived. 
And lastly, he says in verse 19, he says, their minds are on earthly things. It doesn't mean the normal everyday stuff of like, what am I going to have for lunch? Earthly things is talking about sinful things. They let loose, pursue sin of this earth with all they got, and do not be deceived in thinking that that way is better. Because my brothers and sisters, you are not citizens of this earth. You may see citizens of this earth, what they're doing and pursuing these things. Your citizenship is located elsewhere. Do not be deceived. Look at verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Isn't that wonderful? Our citizenship is in heaven. You're not home yet. Down here, you're going to feel uneasy. You're going to feel a variety of added pressures to conform to the world. Even down here, you may feel like you don't belong. And you don't. This is not your home. Your home is elsewhere. And when you get home, get this, no more pain, no more dying, no more crying, no more temptations. Home is where you want to be eventually. But until then, you want your eyes on home. When I sign off my emails or letters, I put looking toward home. Because home is where Jesus is where we will see him face to face. And that is where we are citizens. And until then, we just keep on running and running and running with our eyes fixed on home. We want to be looking toward home. Well, I'm sure you're probably really so eager to hear how I finished my half marathon. And I just want to tell you, I officially finished in my division in last place. I think they were waiting for me so they could close down the course. Now, usually, I don't know if you know if you've ever run a race before, but usually at the end when you finish these races, they have drinks for you, fruit for you, sometimes massage tables where they'll massage out all the kinks in your legs. And so when I, when I finish, I'm like, where's all the food? I felt like this gross banana left. So I'm like, ah, no food. Nothing. You see, in the races in this world, the, the winners, they get all the glory. But the losers, they get nothing. So I just held my head down, walked back to my car, barely could drive away. That's the way it works in this world. And you may find that's what you're experiencing, that hard race where you're in pain, you're tripped up, you're hindered. But I want to tell you this, okay? You ready for this? You're not alone. Get this. It's not like you're just out there running alone. No, no. We're all in this race together. And it's not cheating to help each other. We can help each other run. So our race is not like an individual race where you're trying to run. Our race is more like a race that happened back in 19... 1986, during the Special Olympics 
200-yard dash. The gun went off, and during the special lamp at 200-yard dash, there was this boy, man, named Andrew. And his, his, uh, what was going on with him did not affect his running. So he sprinted out of there, and he was 20 yards ahead of everybody else, and he was going to win the race. And as he's running way ahead of everybody else in the 200 yard, so he looks back. He wants to see where his best friend's at, right? And his best friend fell down. So Andrew stops, turn around. He goes back, helps him up, and they finish across the finish line holding hands. And he got the big sportsman medal of the year, and it was a big deal. That's the kind of race we run. That's what we do. That's the way we run. We're running along, eyes on Jesus. You fall down. You're hindered by your past. I'm going to help you up. I'm hindered because I'm getting distracted. You're going to help me up. And that's the race we're running, eyes on the prize, on Jesus, running hand in hand together. And when we get there, there not be empty fruit baskets. <laughs> There's not going to be no reward. No, no, no. When we get there together, we'll get the prize. And the prize? Jesus. Being with the Lord forever together. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.